crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of The Gross Show. I'm Kit Bodner, your host for today's episode, and I'm here with Ryan Block. Hi. Who, hey. Hey, Ryan. Uh, so you are the founder of a new company called Begin. Yes. And we're going to talk a little, a little bit about Begin, but we're also we want to talk a lot about just this new movement in bots. Some would argue maybe an old movement that is, is gaining in popularity. So for the folks out there watching on Facebook, listening to the podcast, what's a bot? I saw, I saw an awesome tweet from you, which was... You know, a bot is a robot made out of bits, and a robot is a bot made out of atoms, I believe. Yeah, I was actually about to say that, so yeah, <laughs> I don't have a, to answer the question. No, no, it was, uh, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a very awesome tweet. Well, um, most of us, I mean, even the people who are building bots right now, <laughs> don't really use uh, bots on a day-to-day basis. So I think it's it's a pretty important and valid question, yeah. um, what is a bot? And certainly, uh, I think a lot of people are trying to figure out what, what's going to make for a good bot, but uh, a lot of big companies are paying attention to what is going to happen with uh, semi-autonomous or autonomous software? Some call them bots. Some call them AI or agents. They've got all kinds of names. I like bots uh, for the reason that you just mentioned. I think it it um, it uh, intonates the, the right. It implies the right um, uh, aspect. I think of what what I'm looking for in a piece of software that's working for me. Um, but they're also they have a lot in common uh, in that they are. Um, generally driven by conversational interfaces. Uh, so Facebook Messenger is the first kind of major bot platform. Um, Slack is another really big one uh, that's coming up. Uh, and basically, this is you know effectively cloud-based software uh, that you often interface with uh, conversationally um, and that hopefully will do something useful for you. That's kind of like the mile high view of a, what a what a bot is, and and like to me, why now? You know, when you when you think about the technology landscape and when you have an emerging technology like this, normally there's some catalyst for that happening. Mm-hmm. Like, so why is it happening now? It, it to me, it's the result of a, or it's you know a recipe of a bunch of ingredients that are just kind of all coming together. Um, one is uh, machine learning and natural language processing and natural language understanding. These are all things um, that are enabled by um, cloud computing. Um, and then uh, I think there's this other component, which is uh, a lot of people using apps today, I think, are getting a little burned out by uh, not only how difficult they are to discover, um, but well, maybe it's not that they're burned out about the apps. It's that they're they're spending more time in fewer apps, and those apps tend to be messaging based. So it's Facebook Messenger, uh, or you know, if you work at a company that uses Slack, it's Slack uh, or we Snapchat. Slack. Yeah, um, Snapchat's another big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in Asia, you might be on uh, Kick. Yeah, uh, WeChat, Line. So more people are spending more time in chat apps and less time in other apps, which uh, tend to be of fleeting utility. Um, and so a lot of those experiences can actually be translated into bot software. Uh, so I think we're going to see a lot of that happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's what actually will become of bots is still a huge mystery, even to me. I mean, I, I yeah. work on this stuff all day and I'm building bots and uh, I don't know where it's going to go at all. It's, it's super mysterious right now, but uh, it's also it's really super exciting. fun though, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you also get to create some of that, which is of, uh, freaking awesome opportunity 
So part of that answer was around natural language processing, yeah. machine learning. For folks watching, listening, that's probably something that they maybe not have a full understanding of. Mm -hmm. Can you give us the kind of down and dirty on what that actually means? Yeah, so, I mean, these are really broad terms, and, um, you know, they, they encompass and encapsulate uh, a lot of different kinds of technological movements. Mm -hmm. So machine learning is, you know, uh, the ability for uh, machines to, as the name implies, learn <laughs> and get a little bit smarter, understand yeah. you, uh, understand their environment. Um, this is something that is really helpful when dealing with language. Um, if you can set a machine up to do a better job of um, uh, learning new linguistic patterns, uh, then it will hopefully slowly improve over time. Natural language processing refers to um, software systems that uh, allow humans to speak in natural language. Um, could be via voice, so uh, speech to text, or it could just be you know textual input in a conversational interface like Facebook Messenger, um, and machine can take that, parse an intent, what's called an intent. So it's what is this user trying to do, yeah. uh, and then act on that. Uh, so all of these technologies are still really nascent; they're uh, really not um, extremely robust, but they're coming out of academia, right? Like what I mean by that is. Um, a lot of these technologies have been in academia for a really long time or, um, you know, locked up in really massive companies <laughs> like Google, right? Yeah. Which is like one of the most amazing AI and ML companies in the world. And a lot of people don't even know that. Um, it's starting to come out now. They're starting to be open source projects in ML and, a, uh, and NLP and NLU. So um, this is a, a technology that people are getting a little bit more access to. Got it. And so, so your, your, your company's called Begin. You, folks yeah. who want to go to begin.com can, I think, put in their email address to be notified once yeah. you guys are, are ready to share, share some news with the world there. But I just want to know, begin.com, like, how'd you get the domain name? <laughs> like, that's um, like, a one-word domain name is like, I don't know, it's like a huge diamond, the equivalent of like having a huge diamond or something on the internet. It's a yeah. hard thing to make happen, man. It's, it's kind of funny to me, you know, I've been on the internet for a really long time, and <laughs> the... That a .com is still like, that anyone cares about it yeah. is weird, right? I mean, if you think about it, it's like, what's the difference between a .com and a .co or a .anything and, yeah. or, or having a .at all and, you know, just having a GTLD? Um, it's super bizarre. Um, but for some reason... It uh, matters. <laughs> yeah, people, you know, it, it, is, it is more trustworthy. And so a big part of the bot that we're trying to build is... Um, so let me take it back a little bit and I can yeah. tell you why we named it Begin. Yeah, um, I'd love to hear that. So um, to me, what will make a good bot is something that will do something on behalf of a human um, that will uh, alleviate some kind of stress mm -hmm. or anxiety uh, for, for a person. Um, and, you know, that, that can be a challenge, um, you know, writing software that, that functions semi-autonomously. Um, and in order to do that, in order to... Um, to take something, you know, off of your shoulders, uh, you have to really trust that the bot is going to do as good or better of a job at that thing than, than yeah. you would, right? So to me, um, something super, super core to the product and the company and the brand that we wanted to build uh, was trust. Um, and frankly, that should be core to really every Any brand, company, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's Absolutely. no company that that can get by without being trusted. But but for us, it was even more so because we're not just doing a thing. We're doing something that you might normally be doing yourself or might normally be stressing about yourself. Um, we're we're literally trying to, um, to take a common cognitive process that you have and turn that into software so you don't have to, to do that anymore. Um, so that meant getting a, a .com. Um, and for me, um, 
you know, having the right name was also uh, uh, something that was super important. So whatever the name was, we knew we, we had to get the .com, and, and I pushed really hard for that. Um, I will say we spent a long time, and we, you know, there was a lot of hard Naming stuff is hard. It, it is, it it's is never easy. really difficult thing to do. It's never easy. Um, and uh, we were, we almost, we were going to settle on, I think it was beginner, beginner.com. Uh, okay. um, we were, we were able to get that one um, and it cleared trademark and we were able to get like, you know, all the social identities and stuff. Um, and my team told me not good enough. Right. Like they nice. knew, they knew nice. that I could do better. And so we had talked about begin a little bit, but um, I was just having no luck at getting the guy who owned that domain to give it up. Um, and so I was like starting to, you know, frantically search for alternatives <laughs> and they're like, Ryan, you, you can, can make it happen. Yeah. You can do better, <laughs> do better. So, so I, I did, I, I actually, I mean, that was, it was a really interesting moment because um, they, they, trusted me to, you know, make it happen. And I was like, okay, maybe I can make this happen. So found a way to, to, you know, negotiate, uh, to get the domain. Um, and, uh, the, the guy who originally owned it, I mean, he, he registered it in the nineties. It's yeah, never I saw been it got used registered before. in 1995. Yeah. The domain has never been used before. Oddly. There's actually a That's lot crazy 20 years of that domain and just nothing. Yeah. There's actually a lot of common word.com domains that have just never been used before. That's fascinating. Um, and that was one of them. So, um, uh, we, we figured out a way to, um, you know, strike an agreement about it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it turns out, uh, w you know, once I kind of shared with him the vision of what we were doing and, and, you know, tried to include him in our story that, that he was really excited about it. So, um, that was actually part of it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just like a financial transaction. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, wanting to know that, that this thing that you he's know, held on to for a long time. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I have some domains I've held on to for a long time Me too. too. And, um, you know, that it's, it's not just going to like, you know, wind up somewhere. Right. But it's, yeah. there's like a vision and a mission behind it. Cool. So we talked a little bit about the, the domain and the brand. What's the problem you guys are trying to solve? Um, so without going too much into it, uh, because we are, we are still early stage and still, yeah, you're we figuring, haven't shipped you're figuring anything. it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we want to create a product, um, that respects, uh, everyone as a whole person and tries to stay on top of everything they've got going on, both in their personal life, uh, and, uh, at work with their team. So, um, it's a collaborative product, but it's also a single player product, um, that you would use throughout your life. Um, and, um, you know, we will charge teams to use it. Um, sure. so it will, it will be a SaaS, uh, SaaS business model product. Um, but that's, that's about as much as yeah. I kind of want to get into right now. <laughs> that's, that's um, a nice, that's a good amount. And yeah. I don't blame you. You guys are still early days in figuring it out, but that's, a uh, why is, why is a bot the best way to s go about solving that problem? You think? Yeah. So, um, I think that, it's not just the best way for us to go about solving this problem, but I think um, the question like why a bot is, yeah. is the question anybody who is making a bot right now should be asking themselves or anyone who is like tired of making apps and wants to make a bot. I think the, the question they should answer, or yeah, they should answer before they kind of get there is, um, would this experience be made better by a conversational interface, by like interfacing with the software in natural language. Um, that to me is like one of the first underlying totally agree. components and not everything will, right? And so yeah. there's um, in the bot community, which is still small and weird and artsy and it's totally amazing. 
Um, <laughs> and it's just got like all these really rad, wonderful people. Um, within this community, there's all of a sudden this cliche popping up. It's uh, it's the I think we call it like the the pizza ordering um, conundrum or the pizza ordering fallacy yeah. <laughs> where, you know, people are like, uh, oh, it takes 72 taps to order a pizza in a pizza bot and it would only take me four taps to order in it. The Domino's in a, app. Yeah, in the yeah. Domino's app, right? Okay, that's fair. You have now successfully identified something a bot is not good at. Congratulations. <laughs> um, there are plenty of things that phones are not good at um, and yet we don't like dismiss phones. So um, not everything is going to make for a good, you know, conversational equivalent, uh, yeah. with a bot. Um, I, I think, uh, you have to think about areas where interfaces are too heavy and can be, can be made lighter, uh, or think about things that could be software controlled, um, and operate semi-autonomously on your behalf mm-hmm. to solve a complex problem and save you time or effort. One of the, uh, most interesting things that, uh, kind of commentary on the bot space that I've heard. Uh, Chris Messiana has written some cool stuff on Medium. And one of the core ideas that he pointed out is that a bot has a different type of adoption behavior than any other type of software in that you can use it. You and I could be messaging each other and that bot could be involved and you you get the bot involved and it's like, oh, you're doing it. I am just seeing you act, actually doing it where I'm not sitting over your shoulder watching you use a piece of mobile or desktop software. Like, how do you think that aspect of it is going to impact like the distribution and how people discover the bots that do get made? Yeah, it's strange. So um, different bot platforms right now have different approaches to this and, and the dust has not settled yeah, at all. I mean, it's exactly. like, it's really we're, we're, yeah, we're still in the dust storm. So uh, <laughs> it's hard to know. I mean, in Slack a bot lives in a chat channel with everybody yeah. and um, everyone can kind of see what the bot is saying and interface with the bot in Facebook messenger. Uh, a bot is a one-to-one experience only. You can't yeah. invite a bot to a group, uh, a group chat in Facebook. Um, I would argue that that, that might be a mistake long-term, but it also makes it a lot easier to build many kinds of bots in Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you know, if you and I are having a messenger chat and um, I invite a bot into our chat, to uh to talk with us um that's obviously a really good discovery mechanism yeah. for us um so we'll you know we'll see i think it's going to depend on the platform and what the objectives are of, of the various platforms but um i i think the important part is that um the bot makes its specialty and its capabilities uh known um and in in some ways it's actually about making making sure that the people who are interacting with the bot know what it can't do mm-hmm. and like don't don't bother talking to me about x y and z right like i'm only good at this so um the reason i i, I i'll refer back to that tweet that you mentioned uh, that i wrote yeah. about um robots are bots made out of uh atoms and bots are, are robots made out of bits the reason why um i think that that was kind of uh a, a, like a just a small breakthrough in thinking for me was because um, when you use like the physical metaphor, right? Um, whenever humans interact with physical things, um, we have a lot of cues that, that we can take for granted. And so if you were to walk up to, um, to a robot of some kind, just by looking at it without talking to it or interfacing with it, you would probably have a fairly decent idea of what it is supposed to do, what its intended purpose is, right? Um, if you go up to, um, 
to a giant machine that is, you know, um, like the one we have across the street from us in the San, in, in the mission in San Francisco that's tearing down the building, right? Like, it's pretty clear, like, that's yeah. not there to, you know, rock a baby to sleep or, you know, um, uh, drive you to work, right? It's there to do heavy lifting or something like that. Or sink into the ground, which I saw just... Right. Today, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Which is hilarious, but that's the so uh, I think bots should endeavor to do the same. They should make it really clear, like, what are they supposed to be doing? What, what are they not able to do? Because uh, as it turns out, um, humans, uh, especially when interfacing with software, want to be understood. And it is uh, far more frustrating than I think anyone had originally anticipated when they're not understood. Um, it's, you know... When your app crashes, like it's kind of annoying, but whatever. And, you know, if your phone like but, loses connectivity, right? Like you're like, ugh, that's that sucks. Uh, but when a bot is operating normally and does not understand you, you want to throw your phone across the room. It's, it's like you're, so talk, you're talking to somebody in a different language almost. So that's like that frustration of like, why can't you understand me? Yeah, it, except it's way worse, right? Because it's <laughs> like when you talk to somebody in a different language, it's not their fault that they don't speak right, your language, right? right? You're like, no, 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 you're supposed to understand, right? Um, so yeah, there's something like deeply frustrating about a bot that doesn't get what's going on. And sometimes that's the bot's fault for just not setting expectations up front. Well, and one of the things that you have, have written too is that a bot's job is also to kind of lead the conversation. They're like a really good interface is kind of led by the bot. I don't need to come into like my Facebook messenger, my Slack application and be like, hmm, well, what do I want my bot to do today? Right. But like the bot is, is prompting me with stuff initially. Yeah. Like tell, tell me why you think that that way and kind of why is that a good thing well if you think about um how we use technology most of us you know so there's products like amazon echo and i'm gonna put those aside i'm gonna put conversational products aside for a sure. moment um i'm gonna talk about most things we use you know day to day so it's like laptops cell phones tablets th these kinds of things even you know the screen in your car most screen representations of interfaces um actually tell you all all up front what they can do, right? I mean, it's literally an XY plot of all of its capabilities and everything is clearly labeled and organized and, um, you know, displayed hierarchically. Um, and, you know, if you can perceive color or all colors, like you, you get, you know, color hierarchies as well. Um, so the app is apparent. It tells you what it can do and you can't, you know, misconstrue anything. You can't push a button um, and uh, expect something to happen that won't happen unless the app is poorly designed. Um, similarly, and this is kind of a weird thing to think about, but if you boot up any app, any program on your computer, and you push a button and it changes the state somehow, um, you don't see the history of everything that happened before. What I mean by that is like, um, if I push a button, I don't see that button there. Like I push a button, I go to like the mm -hmm. next screen. I don't see the old screen behind it, right? That screen is gone now and the new screen is where I'm in. And if I want to go back, I push a back button or I, you know, enter a key command of some yeah. kind. This is not how bots work. Bots are, are uh, shown usually in chat logs. So you actually have a running log of a representational state of that bot you know, from the moment you began interacting with it, which is completely unlike how people are used to interacting with, with their, uh, with their systems. Similarly, um, or dissimilarly, I, I guess I should say, uh, there's no X, Y plot, right? There's yeah. no, um, apparent, uh, interface for, for how to talk to a bot. And most people have not talked to bots before. Um, and again, th these things are all fine. Mm -hmm. There's nothing, you know, like 
it's not it's nobody's fault that people haven't interacted with bots. This is new technology. So for anyone who's building for this stuff right now, um, you have to uh, anticipate this you know this gap, this like you know mysteriousness, and solve for it. Like be extra super clear. And you know if your user is out of alignment with what the bot is trying to accomplish, you have to get the user back you know back into alignment um, with where the conversation is supposed to be going. Um, so it creates some complexities, um, and, and that's not really any surprise. I mean, anytime there's a paradigm shift in human computer interfaces, there's going to be learning curves. Um, but the promise long-term, um, I mean, maybe even short-term is that, um, if the bots do a good enough job of explaining themselves and, um, keeping themselves, you know, narrowly domained and, and, um, highly focused on a specific direction, uh, then the user should be able to really fluidly communicate with it, uh, just in natural language, and get stuff done very quickly. Yeah, because that narrow focus should help train the natural language and mm-hmm. allow that experience to do better. That's fascinating. So, I think one of the core concerns out there, if you're just a human reading the internet around this topic right now, is like people are trying to compare bots to mobile applications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, totally. You know, and, th- and a lot just, of people say bots are the new apps. Right. Like, yeah. There's this whole hierarchy of like, oh, bots are the new apps or are bots really not the new apps? Like people, I think there's a lot of debate and, you know, people look back to the early days of mobile apps where, you know, we thought everybody was going to need a mobile app and it turns out not everybody needs a mobile app. Totally. You know, there's certain use cases just like you were talking about with bots. Like, so what's the relationship in your mind between, you know, like websites, m- mobile applications and bots? You know, those are some of the, those are kind of the three core pieces that people are trying to position against each other. What does it look like for you? Right. Well, so I, th- I think you called out an important thing, which is you mentioned the web and you mentioned apps and you mentioned bots. So I think a lot of people, especially in our industry, um, want to they're so focused on like newness and um like the next big thing <laughs> uh which i mean how can we not right yeah, like, that's t- we're sitting here in san francisco yeah the, the the location of newness right yeah and and you know they're like i'm building a bot company it's like <laughs> clearly i'm i think that way as well um but i think that a lot of people forget that um it we don't replace things very often. Very few things actually get replaced on, an, on a yearly basis. We tend to accumulate more technology than we replace. So all this stuff is really generally more additive than, um, than you know, a cycle of replacement or retirement. So we still have the web and the web is still incredibly valuable. Yeah. Um, and we still have apps and the a- apps are not going anywhere. And frankly, a lot of apps are going to be um, the venue for a lot of bot communication. And soon we'll have bots. And so I, I think this is an, an, an addition to that stack. I don't think bots are the new apps is um, an accurate statement if how you would like to interpret that is that bots will replace apps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think bots will replace some apps that probably shouldn't exist, just like some apps replaced some websites that probably didn't need to exist. Exactly. And vice versa, right? Yeah, There's some totally. websites that are much better than an app that probably will only get installed a couple times and you know be immediately forgotten about. So um, I think again, I just go back to like what what are you what are you trying to do? Like what's the experience you're trying yeah. to create? Um, and to me, it's if you're building an application experience that um, is really heavy in UI and and that UI could actually be better reduced into natural language. That's a great moment to think about a bot. So if you're an average human 
today, right? And you know, the people that listen to, to to our podcast. No, no. If if you not you are <laughs> you are an above average human being. I uh, think I, I think I'm like squarely <laughs> average. Um, but if if you were just the average person and they listen to us talk about this, and most people that listen to this show are you know executives or um, directors in their companies, they're trying to figure out how to grow. How's this? How's this next shift of the web really going to affect them? Like, how do we think it's going to shake out and impact them? Uh, shift of the web or of or bots? the uh, bots? Like the bots yeah. is kind of like the next shift of kind of yeah. the web technology in some way. So, like, how's it going to impact their lives? I mean, it's. I think it's still hard to know. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people are immediately kind of going to, oh, well, if only bots can like take over as uh, you know frontline customer service or or use cases like that that are like really obvious, but. Um, I'm highly skeptical, right? I'm highly skeptical because yes, they could. And that is actually a good use case, except, um, as, uh, some people have taken to saying lately, uh, we're probably about 50 Nobel prizes away from <laughs> AI that can kind of handle that. Awesome. So, um, you know, I, I think there will be an inclination to try to utilize, um, machines that can speak in English, uh, or other languages. Um, but for the purposes of this conversation, English, um, to, uh, to take over, um, human roles or, you know, automate processes or save costs or, um, you know, replace phone trees, IVRs, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think some of that will happen. And I think it's going to be a little half-baked. Uh, and I would, I would really discourage people from jumping into that too quickly. Um, I think that, you know, we need to, uh, as an industry, establish what, you know, what are first principles and, um, and how can we create, you know, really strong early experiences um, instead of just bandwagon jumping. Um, so, you know, on the one hand, I really want to see the bot ecosystem grow and become far more robust. And on the other hand, you know, I, I don't want people, um, you know, salting the soil before anyone's really planted, uh, seeds because, uh, you know, it, this is just really re young, early, hard tech to solve for. Um, even though there is, you know, this kind of upcoming renaissance and, machine learning and, you know, I'm using air quotes, uh, artificial <laughs> intelligence and natural language processing and natural language understanding. Um, this is still really, really hard tech. Uh, so, um, you know, getting it right is not going to happen overnight. And this isn't going to be like, you know, building, uh, building an app in 2008 and you throw up your app and, you know, maybe you're off to the races. Um, you know, this, this requires some time in the oven and, and some like really clear thinking and focus about how, uh, you can, uh, create the best possible experience in that venue. Yeah. And for folks who don't know you, this is not your first trade. It's not, you've, you've, you've been involved in a lot of ventures before you started companies before. What'd you learn from your previous experience? that's going to help you navigate what is seemingly kind of a uncharted course in this space. Um, that's a great question. So, uh, I, I really kind of had my, my first big thing, uh, was in gadget, mm -hmm. um, of, in 2004. It was awesome. Um, I was a long time reader. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I was like one of the founding editors there and, um, you know, that, so that, that was, man, I don't even know where to start there, but, <laughs> but I think the important thing that I would take away from that to answer your question is that, um, it, you know, it made me like really impatient for the future. Um, and, uh, I, I kept, you know, like, I just, I really wanted to be in like tomorrow and the day after <laughs> the day after, right. Even though I wasn't, none of us were there yet. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, I started another company after that and then I, uh, sold that and I started a product lab. Um, 
at the big company that bought us and, you know, had been in the weeds for, you know, almost 10 years now, um, not doing editorial stuff, but actually building mm-hmm. stuff, getting back to my roots and, and building and designing stuff. And, um, y- you know, it kind of made me remember that uh, being too early uh, and trying to be in the future prematurely is actually um, worse in many ways than, than being too late. So, um, you know, that isn't to say that I encourage people to try to time any market. It's yeah. very hard to time anything. Near impossible. Um, but, you know, I've like, I've been on like day one, you know, platform launches before. Right. And like, I've been like the idiot and the sucker who like learns all hard lessons for everybody else <laughs> when, you know, I could have very well left my product in uh, the oven to bake a little bit longer. And so that's, that's something that, you know, we're trying to be very disciplined about, uh, with begin is, uh, really focusing on our customers and uh, making sure we're delivering an experience that isn't just not frustrating by comparison to some of the other bots out there right now, uh, but that is actually great and strong and useful. How will you know when it's like ready to share with the world? Um, I mean, you never know. Right. Uh, I really like the Reed Hoffman quote that um, uh, if you're, if the first version that you ship publicly um, isn't a complete embarrassment that you waited too long. <laughs> um, but I also think that expectations have changed in the past, you know, well, basically since the iPhone era began, uh, expectations have changed pretty dramatically. So I, I don't know, but, um, you know, we use the product and increasingly, you know, people outside of our team will be using the product and, um, you know, I think it's just important to get as much feedback as you can. Sure. Um, and try to understand that feedback, right? It's not enough to just hear and listen to feedback. Like you have to understand, uh, the meaning and like the intent behind it and underneath it, which is like an art that has taken me a really <laughs> long time, uh, to learn. Um, and I think, you know, We'll go from there. How do you know what feedback to listen to? You know, you're, you're going through this product iteration cycle where you're going to get feedback from your team, feedback from early users, mm-hmm. and some of it is going to be really helpful, valuable mm-hmm. feedback. Some of it might just be those people just being uncomfortable with this new way of doing something and actually counter to what you're trying to achieve. Like, how do you filter that all out? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, feedback comes in all kinds of uh, shapes and forms, and sometimes feedback comes in just dead in data, yeah, right? Like right. actually just looking at how people use the product. Um, and I don't mean like uh, user testing, you know, eyeball tracking or, you know, watching people. I mean, like literally. Literally like, usage data. Yeah, just usage yeah. data. I mean, that is a form of feedback. Um, and that is actually the most, com- you know, common and most um, numerically rich form of feedback, right? I mean, yeah. if you want to talk about the largest possible sample size of your feedback, right, that, sure. is, that is it. Um, so I don't discount that, right? Um, looking at looking at engagement, um, looking at retention, uh, those are super important. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? There's the cliched, you know, Henry Ford quote or supposed Henry Ford quote. I think it's been debunked, but um, <laughs> you know, if if I asked my customers what they wanted, they'd say a faster horse. Right. Um, so you know, the the idea behind that quote being like, you know, you have to stick to your vision. Well, that's fine, but like sometimes uh, your vision is not right, right? And so, how do you know that? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a hard balance. Entrepreneurs ask me this question, um, like younger entrepreneurs, yeah. and and I don't really have a question for them. I, I don't have an answer for them all the time. Um, sometimes it's just you know, you stick to your vision as long as you can, uh, and sometimes you have to um, you know get a reality check of some kind. So I, I don't know. I mean, we could be totally wrong. I, I you know, it's the beauty of it, right? Like, yeah. yeah, you really don't know. I have no idea. Um, you know, my, my bet is that, uh, people will want to interface with products conversationally and 
you know, we started working on this before anyone was using the word bots this way. I mean, we started working on this. I I quit my job um, uh, last September and I was thinking about this as early as uh, February of 2015. So, I mean, this is to me, this is like, yeah, of course this was going to happen. Right. Like, of course, what what made you take the risk? Um, I mean, you know, when when you're an entrepreneur, like you kind of only one have one maybe two career paths. So (laughs) (laughs) I, I, you know, it it wasn't like there was not a a long, thoughtful um, process I had about this or about leaving per se. It was mostly about like, what did I want to spend my time on? What was I passionate about? And it comes back to you wanting to live in the future that you wanted to do maybe something a little bit more uncertain. I mean, in a way, it's actually kind of like living in the past because, which is bizarre. I never really thought about it this way (laughs) until I just said it. But, um, you know, I have been using bots for a really long time and um, I, I was working on a, um, uh, a group chat product, um, in about six months before Bla- uh, Slack came out and I gave that up, um, when we sold our company. Um, so, I mean, I've been thinking about conversational interfaces for a super long time. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, we like, even back in 2004, we deployed IRC, um, in our newsroom at Engadget. Um, and like, I didn't know anyone who had done that. <laughs> like, I didn't know any other, sure. I didn't know any of the newsrooms who were in chat rooms. Um, and I didn't know any other, uh, teams who were, you know, talking that way. Uh, everything was via email back then and we needed to be faster. So, um, so I've been thinking about this space and, you know, we had bots then that did stuff and, you know, we built all kinds of weird, you know, custom bots and integrations over the years. And then, you know, Slack came out and, just seemed really obvious that similar to how if you used a smartphone, you know, in the early aughts, um, it, it seemed totally clear that in the future, everyone would have a smartphone yeah. um, and that everyone would install apps and it would probably be a lot better and easier than what, you know, we were using back then, which was often either, you know, Palm OS or, um, or like Windows, Windows Mobile or uh, Pocket PC as it used to be called. Um, but you could see that, right? You could see like the dotted line between now into the future. And that to me was the same thing with conversational interfaces. Like everyone having a smartphone, everyone talking to each other over iMessage or, uh, or Facebook Messenger or whatever. Um, and, you know, this, this glut of apps that um, became, you know, too, too overwrought and, um, and, you know, had all kinds of discovery and notification problems. It seemed super clear to me that this was going to move the conversational. But I also don't want to take it for granted either because, you know, it's nothing is done. Um, We're just getting started and um, it's it's up to us and, you know, other companies in the space to actually do a good job with it. Yeah, that's really cool. Thanks for chatting with us and teaching us all about bots today, Ryan. Thank you. It's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our show. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. 